how would you say their name? No. Welcome back to Shaking Not Scared. Here with you as always, Eric and Vivi. Today we're talking about the 2014 vampire film, What We Do in the Shadows, directed by Jermaine Clement and Taika Waititi. But before we get into that, how are you, Vivi? This is not our first vampire movie, technically. Well, Van Helsing was. And then Blade. Oh, Blade might have been first, yeah. I think I only said that because you always say we haven't technically covered a just vampire film, but I think Blade counts. Well, he's a vampire hunter. There's vampires in it. Oh, right. And he is a vampire. <laughs> it's just not classic in the way that I would think, like Dracula. What you could say is Blade is what we do in the light, and then what we're about to cover is what we do and not that. But how are you? I am excited to talk about this film. Nervous because it's mockumentary style, and that is really hard to talk about. I feel like you have to watch it. Yeah, I almost wanted to say we should do it while watching it, but we'll see how it goes. We're trying our best here. Yep. What do you have for creepy content? Well, I see you wrote down on the script here what I have for creepy content, but it's Scream 6, which we did get to watch with our friends. And I'm just going to say I thoroughly enjoyed. It was just a great time. How about you? No spoiler takes. No, I, you know, I've seen some things on Twitter about certain characters not being what they wanted and things of that nature, but I feel like Scream has such a special place in my heart that I kind of shut off all that criticism and I'm just like happy that there's another one coming. I see that. I thought it was great. The reveal just hated the people who ended up being the killer. I was okay. annoyed with them. That's fair. <laughs> but I don't think you're supposed to like the killer. Right? I mean, the last few screens. Unless I've... they're the originals. I think people love okay, yeah, billions, billions too. too. Yeah, they were probably the last good non-annoying. <laughs> well, I guess they were annoying too, kind of, right? Because you're like, fuck these guys, but also classic killers yeah. for Scream. These, since I think the second one, have been just annoying. Although, I guess, no, I take that back. The second Scream killers also are kind of like, whoa. Mind blown. I think from three on is when I'm like, these guys suck. Interesting. But that doesn't take away from how good the movie is. So I think it was great. You should go check it out if you haven't seen it. I think it's still in theaters by the time this comes out. Who knows? <laughs> Do you have creepy content? A few weeks back, we played Phasmophobia with Christina from A Spooky Tales again. And we played with a few friends of mine who actually play the game. We jumped off of Phasmophobia. We played Inside the Backrooms, which if you listen to the recent episode that I jumped on with Anthony from Fuck You Hexed, we talked a little bit about the backrooms and the game was terrifying if you want to see what the backrooms is like make sure to check that out but we also watched scream five it was kind of fun to revisit five and then you know prep for six and it all came together pretty nicely with the sixth one yeah because i had not seen scream five since we saw it in theaters so it was mm -hmm. a nice refresher yeah so be on the scream kick do your thing now is the time until the seventh one we are getting one right yes okay do it just do it now do you have anything for comfort content i guess Comfort content kind of goes along with this film, but in watching this, it made me want to go back and rewatch the series. I was going through some medical stuff, but it was really nice to watch it and have it be comforting. It's so good. Sometimes I wonder if we should do like maybe many episodes on the show because I just love it so much. Let's do it. I'm all for it. I love that show too much to not. What about you? What do you have for comfort content? We actually went to a Nick Offerman comedy show. If you don't know who Nick Offerman is, he is the one who plays Ron Swanson in Parks and Recreation. He also has a bunch of shows with like Amy Poehler. To the horror community, he recently had an episode on The Last of Us. Yeah, which he talks about, which is really cool. It is a good show. If he comes to your town and you still have the option to buy tickets, I would suggest watching it. No spoilers for his comedy show, but I really liked his delivery. It's like a true inspiration. I feel like Ron Swanson as a character pulls in a certain type of person, if you know what I mean. And in his show, he kind of talks about like how that's brought a little bit of drama to his life. And he is not that character. To say it shortly, it was a good time. Yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it. What do we have for today's drink, future us? How do you do this? I think you would. Oh. Yeah. I can't do it. I gotta suck harder. Like Viago. Hit that main artery. Which is the name of this drink. Glare. So blurry. <laughs> How did influencers used to do Our this? camera doesn't do it. Okay. Our camera sucks. 
But yeah, the cocktail that we chose for today is the main artery. And we thought it'd be pretty fun to put it into a little blood bag. That's what Viago needed. Fuck. Yeah, it is what he needed. (laughs) (laughs) It's a really good drink, though. Do you want to say what's in it? Essentially, it's a pomegranate margarita. Eric had to help me out with the portions because ideally, you would make like a whole punch bowl of this and serve it at a party, individually stored in these bags. (laughs) You were trying to go hard with the I was. I was just like, throw everything in there. Essentially, what's in it is pomegranate juice, pomegranate liqueur, lime juice and silver tequila what do you think of it i think it's really good it is not super sour as much pomegranate juice as it has i expected it to be like a very sweet and like tart drink i give it a four. Oh, that's pretty high for you yeah i think it's good part of it's also the fun of like having yeah just bag. carry this around all night you wouldn't need another drink because this is a 13 ounce bag you got the bags from amazon right i did yeah in bulk so i guess we got to throw a party is what we're saying yep everyone's a invited. dinner party where we eat Pescati. Pescati. I also really enjoy this. I just like my margaritas more on the spicy side, so I'm kind of waiting for like that kick. I I do like a more sour margarita, so I'll give it a three out of five. What if you add chile to yours? I don't know if chile and pomegranate are flavors that really go together, but we could try it. We should try it. <laughs> just rim the blood bag with Oh yeah, chile. just stuff it in there. Yeah, you could probably just fill it with chamoy. You could get real nasty and creative and make like different colors of these. Mm, and make be a like little... ogre blood, fairy blood. Yeah, it might not be a bad idea because it could look like clotting blood. It too. could. Pretty nasty. <laughs> a safer way to drink from the main artery. Speaking <laughs> of wine. <laughs> Bet you want wine about these fun facts. Mm-mm. No, there's actually too much to cover, and I'm probably going to have to bring up a couple when we talk about the movie because there was just so much. I got all these from a person, I guess, who had like watched the documentary commentary from Taika and Clement. Oh, does ours have that? No, ours didn't. We, we bought it just for this, <laughs> and ours just has play settings, and that's just it. Just shut up and enjoy the movie. Yeah, I don't even think it has subtitles, right? No, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> it says, bitch, you better fucking fix your ears or you ain't hearing oh, no. shit. Yeah. So somebody actually like did a blog post about everything that they said. While the film was mostly scripted, they let the actors add lib a lot of scenes so conversations would flow naturally this obviously works out because a lot of the conversations as awkward as they feel feel like so much funnier because of it right yeah you're like wow these, these vampires are just so socially awkward because they are out of time but if you can find the deleted scenes apparently the directors admit there were a lot of scenes that just didn't work out because of the ad-libbing sort of free speech that they had that's crazy because while writing the script for this there's so many little jokes that i kept finding that i wanted to include but then the script was gonna be like 20 pages long and at that point you might as well watch the movie so no i totally get the whole like having ad lib and kind of let conversations flow naturally and having to delete a lot of it because that's pretty much the gist of our show it's also the gist of mockumentary (laughs) style and i think i made a note of it but i thought at this point this is what 2014 Mm -hmm. mockumentary was like on its way out I feel Mm. like we were still seeing a lot of it in like Parks and Rec and things like that. But for the most part, I kind of got the vibe that people were getting tired of it, but it works so well with this movie. Was it because we dealt with so many seasons of The Office? Yeah. The lore of vampires is boundless. Endless literature and media that has vampire stories and things that pretty much make up what a vampire takes you know sparkling in the sun that's the thing but sometimes it gets mixed up obviously depending on what you're reading or watching the scene with viago and the silver locket was already written in the script but the team had no idea that vampires couldn't wear silver according to possibly true blood at the time until someone pointed out while filming hey he can't hold silver so they wrote that in after the fact with the gloves that he's holding up the silver locket yeah i watched a couple seasons of true blood i don't remember that that's what their commentary said whatever it is i've heard the silver thing before i mean i definitely heard of the silver with werewolves but not so much vampires or silver was just like any sort of entity that is any not supernatural yeah. yeah is deterred with silver and salt stuart rutherford who plays Stu, was truly actually just a guy who was on set and worked in the production office. That's fantastic. The bit was that they would just ask him to come on set and help out with like random stuff. Like he set up the router is one thing specifically they said. And then they would trick him to just come on the screen over and over. So you can kind of feel that because he's just kind of like... 
Yes, that's exactly what I'm doing. I am your friend, yeah. At what point do you think he realized that he was fully in this movie? After how many scenes do you have to... I know, like, you have to catch on eventually. <laughs> Although, I guess with all the ad-libbing... The set feels like it was probably a fun time, right? Like, oh, yeah. Everyone's just fucking around, joking. You have a general idea of how that goes, but then even just, like, the bloopers, you'd think that maybe Stu felt like he was probably, like, in the blooper reel yeah. and not actually in it. Yeah, he probably didn't think any of his shots were gonna make it into the movie they had to tell him when he was like mauled by i was gonna say there's a specific part where he has to know he's a character but so yeah i have have a couple that are gonna be scattered out throughout the rest of it so i'm ready if you are to jump into it yeah do you want to give kind of like your first impressions this movie was a grand old time i am a person who likes awkward humor i am awkward myself and so when i watched this this was gold from point one to point however long this movie is I don't recall how we found it, but I'm glad we did. Obviously, the show is a pretty big hit at this point, and I just I thoroughly enjoy it. There's like maybe one or two jokes that are dated in it. Definitely, this is not a horror horror. It's a horror comedy. This for sure is a comfort horror that you could throw on all the time, and I think if I was trying to introduce someone to the horror genre, I would put this movie on because it's not super scary, but it has a little bit of like jump scares and things like that. Yeah, for sure with what's that character's name? Peter. Peter. Yeah. Yeah. He's a pretty creepy character. Yeah, for sure. And he's still brought into the comedy, which I think is great. I hope I can read today. Nope. That's what we can't do in the shadows, read. True. (laughs) Not lying. Okay, we open with the title card that explains that every few years a secret society in New Zealand gathers for a special event called the Unholy Masquerade. In the moments leading up to the ball, the documentary crew has been granted access to a small group of individuals who will be attending the ball. We see a coffin and an alarm clock that reads 6pm and it is blaring. We get a final title card saying that the crew were all given crucifixes and granted protection from the subject of the documentary. A vampire slowly and awkwardly levitates out of the coffin and we meet viago a 379 year old vampire apparently for this levitation scene i'm assuming they like edited these people out but there were four guys at the start of filming and that by the end of trying to film this scene over and over they had eight guys doing it and teka's joke is that he ate too many puddings i think he is an adorable character oh yeah he's kind of like the uh, nerd of the vampire of the group. vampires. It's weird, right? Because you're like, vampires are this super sexy, confident being, right? And Viago kind of shows you that it's possible that anybody can be turned into a vampire. He explains that he always wakes up at 6 p.m. and makes sure that it's nighttime before waking up the rest of his flatmates. He explains that he likes having flatmates. He likes always having friends around and having a good time. We meet Deacon, who sleeps hanging upside down in a closet. And we also meet Vlad, who is in the middle (laughs) of a vampire orgy when Viago goes to wake him up and inform him that they're having a flat meeting. When Vlad door is open are they like having sex on the wall it reminds me so much of like uh van helsing in the scene with the brides and also oh yeah if you've seen dracula i think it's 1992 he throws a victim in with his brides and it looks a lot like this scene in van helsing he does have sex in the walls with his brides. he does yes (laughs) they like freeze in the walls together and that's them fucking oh my god get ready for (laughs) all the vampire movie references if anything maybe we messed up starting with this vampire film (laughs) Viago then grabs a chicken and puts it in a burlap sack, saying he needs it to wake up their final roommate, who lives in the basement. His name is Peter, and he looks almost exactly like Nosferatu. Viago informs him of the flat meeting, but says he doesn't have to go if he doesn't want to, and starts asking him to tidy up his room when Peter just starts hissing at him. This causes Viago to freak out a bit and just hand him the chicken and run. This is one of those scenes where it's actually kind of frightening. You're not sure what direction this movie's gonna go, and you know it's gonna be kind of funny, but you think Peter might be like a villain in this film, at least up until here. He looks creepy, looks scary. He's definitely the most creepy vampire. And classic. the oldest, right? The yes. In the 1600s. The rest of the flatmates meet in the kitchen for their meeting. Vlad asks for Peter, but Viago informs him that he's an 8,000 year old vampire and he doesn't go to flat meetings. That's the 1600s, right? Probably. 
I don't know. I'm too drunk to do math. (laughs) Yago called the meeting because Deacon has not been pulling his weight with the flat chores. We learn that he has not done the dishes in five years and it's his only responsibility. Yago explains that Deacon is just young and rebellious, (laughs) that he's kind of like the bad boy of the group, and we learn that he's only 183 years old. Again, if I didn't make this clear in the beginning, this is shot mockumentary style, so we're gonna get like a lot of talking heads and explaining going forward. All these characters are funny because you kind of forget that they are the alleged ages they are, right? Like, Mm. he's the bad boy of the group at 183 years old, and you can tell that he thinks he's the bad boy, but he's still awkward, you know? (laughs) My favorite part is them saying he's the youngest of the group, and then they zoom in on him, and he's clearly like a... (laughs) 30-something-year-old man. (laughs) So we sit down to a talking head with Deacon, who explains how he became a vampire. He said he was a merchant just trying to sell his products when he passed an old creepy castle. He explains that a creature swooped him up and drained him of his blood as it dragged him to the cellar of the castle. Just as he was on the brink of death, he was given some blood and informed that he is now a vampire. He explains that that creepy creature was actually Peter. We zoom out to see Peter sitting right next to him him as Deacon explains that they've been friends ever since. Very stoically just <laughs> doesn't say anything. No. I wonder because like they do give us some exposition as to how these characters got here. I already am wondering why don't these guys have familiars because they talk about the dishes not being done. Mm-hmm. Peter why is he flatmates with his, like, creations? That's like if Dracula was like, I'm just gonna hang out with all of my underlings. Peter's here just kind of vibing. Is he like when, you know, you bring in your grandparents to live with you because they can't be on their own? I don't know about that, but I do know that there's lore of vampires that say if you kill the creator of the vampires, you kill all vampires. Oh. So maybe you want to keep him close to keep him safe. So he doesn't get you killed? Yeah. Can um, you imagine you're just, like, chilling, eating breakfast? some blood soup, and then you just disappear because Peter died over in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, we find out that that's not the lore that this film is going with, though, later on. Yeah, Um, I'm just saying imagine, though. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying imagine fucking dying, I don't know. (laughs) Back at the flat meeting, we learn more about Vladislav, who I'm just going to refer to as Vlad going forward because I think he's clearly meant to be like a caricature of Vlad the Impaler. He is an 862-year-old vampire. He is described as being very cool and old by Viago, who calls him a bit of a pervert with old traditional worldviews. Vlad gives a talking head where he explains that he used to be very tyrannical when he first became a vampire, and even shows the cameraman his torture chamber. He says he used to be known as (laughs) Vladislav the Poker. Again, Vlad the Impaler. Deacon and Vlad give an explanation of Viago, saying he used to be an 18th century dandy, and I do not know if this is an actual term. Do you want to lead up? Let's see. Let's see what if it is. It is a 18th century dandy. It's just going to direct us to this movie. Yeah. Flamboyantly dressed members of the Macaroni Club. What? <laughs> <laughs> Out of context, that sounds insane. It does um, sound insane. A dandy it's... is a man who places particular importance upon physical appearance and personal gripping. So, someone who's metrosexual. I guess so. The Macaroni Club is a team of aristocratic young Englishmen that flaunted the latest fashions from France and Italy around posh parlors. Okay. Learn something new, I guess. Okay. So, Viago's a dandy. They view him as a little bit of a fussy guy who always nags. <laughs> At the flat meeting, Viago complains that they ruined his antique couch and that if they're going to kill a victim to please put down some towels or newspaper. The flat meeting ends with everyone agreeing to do better, but not before Viago takes some last digs at Deacon for not doing the dishes. Deacon yells that he will do the dishes and starts to levitate, as Viago does the same, telling him to do the bloody dishes then. The two bump chests, but eventually just awkwardly float back down (laughs) and end the flat meeting. I keep laughing because just picturing them like floating like down clearly being carried by the wires <laughs> absolutely so i wonder what the budget for this film was because the effects are good but meant to look awkward so if you don't have to spend that much to make them look perfect i don't know because there's also some like perfectly edited scenes there is like yes. the bat fight and stuff yeah. like that i think that they probably said keep it in keep it in as is because yeah. like that just adds to like how awkward these guys are everything works vampires. yeah i also love like the dynamic between 
between the three of them because they truly feel like roommates, yes. right? You clearly tolerate each other, but we all have our gripes. <laughs> yes, which is what Vlad explains. That anytime you get four vampires living together, there is bound to be some tension and it's bound to get awkward. That's what I said when I moved in with you. We get a clip of Deacon doing the dishes, then the best intro song in credits ever. It is You're Dead by Nora Tanega, and the song is from 1966, which I did not know. Yeah, they, in the commentary, mentioned that they went back to her. Apparently she was still alive, at least in 2014. I don't know if she still is. She's apparently a painter now, and she was like, yeah, fuck it, whatever. It's a great song. It's even used in the sitcom now, and I just love it. We get clips of old vampire artwork intercut with talking heads from the vampires. Vlad talks about how he was bitten when he was 16, and that's why he looks like a 16-year-old. <laughs> Except times were really tough for 16-year-olds back then. <laughs> Do you think Vlad realizes himself, like, I know what you're thinking. <laughs> you assholes. I have to explain myself every time. Because he's probably gotten that question in the past. A lot. Viago <laughs> is working on pottery and saying how vampires have a bad rep as being moody and solitary creatures. But that's not all true. That some just like to flat with their friends in a small town called New Zealand. We get a talking head from Deacon who explains that he was a Nazi vampire. That things didn't go well for Nazis after the war. He even has a joke where he's like, I don't know if you know this, but the Nazis lost. And that it's even worse if you were a Nazi vampire. I completely forgot that that was his background story. I was reading in their commentary and apparently this joke is funny elsewhere and not in America, at least from what they've seen from audiences. Listen, there's a couple other places where I could think this joke is not funny. You know, this is the one joke that I don't appreciate being in here. No. We get images of them through the decades and it's just clear that they've been friends for a very long Long time. Viago is talking to the crew about how he came to New Zealand and it was because he fell in love with a human girl. When her family decided to immigrate to New Zealand, he decided to follow them. Unfortunately, his servant at the time got the postage wrong and by the time he made it there, it was 18 months later and Catherine had fallen in love and married someone else. All he has left of her is a picture in a locket made completely of silver that he can't even wear because pure silver harms vampires. He's wearing gloves to hold it and then he puts it on and he's just like smiling awkwardly at the camera in pain until it starts to sizzle <laughs> we then get a lovely montage of the boys getting ready for a night out they help each other get dressed because obviously they can't see their reflections and don't actually know if their outfits look good vlad says that the style he aims for is dead but delicious <laughs> and i'm gonna start aspiring to dress like that that's along the same lines as like what is thou like to live deliciously this was another version of that line why not both i never thought about the getting ready thing it blew my fucking mind when i was like holy shit that's right you can't yeah. even like you can never see what you look like you can never see if your outfit looks good but as a vampire does your outfit show up and just you don't does it just look like your clothes standing there i don't know because in movies the entirety of the vampire is gone including it is, clothes. yes but you would imagine, yeah, that it would be the clothes that's still visible because the mm. clothes doesn't have magic. How do you know how, if your hair is looking good? Can you look through like another mirror? Does it work bouncing reflections off of? So later on, <laughs> uh, we'll get a scene that might explain this. Viago also states that, yes, sometimes the clothes does come from victims that you might be eating a guy and be like, ooh, nice shoes. <laughs> we cut to them on a bus and they are clearly the most flashy dressed people around. They start trying to get into clubs, but they can't unless they are invited in. They walk around and run into some fellow vampires. They meet a couple of young girls who were pretty young when they were turned and seem to be using this to their advantage by trapping and eating perverts. Yeah, these girls are pretty young and then you'll notice that they like trap a guy in an alley. My favorite part is that Vlad is like, you guys gonna eat some perverts? And they're like, yeah, perverts. Yeah, just a casual night, you know, yeah. that's what we do. And they're like, nice. Putting yourself in this world, you're like, yeah, I guess that would be the way to take care of those guys. Because it's almost like they're heroes then for taking care of the, the neighborhood perverts, I right? mean, okay, so like if you grew up with Twilight, because <laughs> Twilight does come up in this. There's a couple references yeah. to it. Edward tells Bella that he like sustained himself for like a long time eating murders and like predator <laughs> murders he ate murders a murder uh, of predators yes he ate murderers and perverts <laughs> like these girls murderers <laughs> murderers <laughs> because it was the early 2000s and they, they were, were emo, emo. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely i didn't know that this was a short we should watch it but 
it was like 10 years prior to when this came out and when they filmed the scene similar to it in that short apparently people in the area were calling them a bunch of like slurs because of what they were wearing oh. and in the commentary they mentioned that in 2014 or whenever they filmed this everything was kind of more accepting that even the boy who they have tell them like a slur in this he didn't want to do it they were kind of like it was kind of weird that in 10 years yeah. like oh well, not weird but i guess it was kind of eye-opening that in 10 years they had progressed some which is crazy right like you don't even plan for that imagine trying to film your own movie and you're literally like wearing a costume yeah and people come and harass you so good that i guess the town changed in just a short period of time meaning that it's possible world you hear yeah. that they end up telling the crew that there is a bar that is owned by vampires and that they're always welcome there Viago calls it the hottest nightclub for vampires once inside we see the bar almost empty except for the three friends being the only ones on the dance floor a woman shows up to talk to Deacon and basically takes his food order. He says he wants men or women, preferably virgins, to eat. We learn that this is Jackie and that she is Deacon's familiar. We see her doing a ton of chores for the vampires as she explains that they have a deal. That Deacon is supposed to turn her into a vampire and that she is very excited by that. We cut back to the two of them in the bar and she is making her case for being a vampire already because she's been working at it for five years, but Deacon literally waves her off by putting her under hypnosis and telling her to be gone. I sometimes wonder, because we don't know for a fact that their powers work, right? Like, he's just like, be gone. And she's just like, okay. Okay. But she looks disappointed. Like, she would have left regardless of whether he said yeah. or not. <laughs> it's like, okay, again, if you've watched the show, but Guillermo says he's been put under hypnosis so many times it no longer works on him. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if it's the same for Jackie. We get a voiceover of Viago explaining that the worst part of being a vampire is that they have to drink human and blood to survive as we see the young vampire girls from earlier attack and eat the pervert they were talking about we then see viago and what appears to be a date he says he likes to make a whole evening of drinking blood giving his victims some nice wine and playing them some nice music we see him do all this and then begin to put out newspapers and paper towels you know who he reminds you of do you remember double d from Ed, Ed and eddie yes like if double d was a vampire he would be this vampire. he would be very like we would call this i guess he's just a dandy. He's just a dandy. He's very clean cut. He pulls out his hanky to eat and begins trying to approach his date's neck in the most awkward way possible. He finally bites her, but hits a main artery, causing blood to spray everywhere. Viago starts screaming while trying to catch as much as he can in his mouth. In the end, <laughs> the room is a mess, and Viago admits to the camera crew, saying that at least he thinks she had a good time. <laughs> okay, a few things. So if your victim drinks wine, do you get drunk as well? They can't eat human food because they vomit, which is what we see later. Yeah. Can they drink alcohol? It seems like no, but this blood, drug blood, alcohol blood is later explode exploded <laughs> it's literally exploded. it's literally exploded it's literally explored in the series later second thing apparently taika watiti did not have a good time with this scene filming it taika in the commentary mentioned that it was horrible because he literally got blood in his eye and into his throat it was not fun for him yeah i mean he literally has to catch all this projectile blood <laughs> in his mouth it can't be fun i hope that they at least made it flavored or something i'm sure they do make it like sweet but still when it's being propelled into your throat it's not gonna be a good time we then cut to vlad who is still out hunting for a victim he's trying the old dracula 1992 move of saying see me to a victim only for it to not work Yago and deacon both explained that vlad Dislav used to be quite powerful back in the day and that he used to be able to hypnotize entire villages and had many orgies with like almost 20 to 30 women but that all changed when he suffered a humiliating defeat by his arch nemesis the beast they show an old medieval drawing of a pretty nasty looking creature with like a penis right in the middle of its body like where its belly like where its be. chest should be almost <laughs> the beast i do love the flashing of like historical drawings and things like throughout that. the whole movie yeah because yeah. these are all real right real artworks yeah vlad is still trying to hypnotize someone through the window and finally accepts the only victim that he could get a little old man <laughs> the next night however it seems that jackie has come to deliver two victims to the group one is nick an old boyfriend of hers and josephine her old high school bully the three arrive for a dinner party at the vampire's home and viago excuses himself to go prepare dinner i would not go to a dinner with my ex 
or like someone I used to bully in high school. It's like the invitation, right? It is like the invitation. <laughs> Who's coming to this party? Oh, uh, your old bully. Why are you inviting me with her to this random place? Well, maybe like I haven't even spoken to you in like 10 years. It's highly suspicious that you want to go hang out with me. We're trying to rekindle that spark that we had back in the day. Viago excuses himself to go prepare dinner and Vlad starts questioning whether or not everyone at the table is a virgin. Deacon's talking head interrupts to say that he thinks they drink virgin blood because it sounds cool. And then we cut to a talking head of Vlad who states, if you had to eat a sandwich, you'd just enjoy it more knowing that no one had fucked it first. There's so many layers there. <laughs> There's so many layers to that statement. Back at the dinner party, it's clear that no one at the table is a virgin and Jackie apologizes for not bringing the real deal. But she has this like argument with Nick, no? Because she's like, you're not a virgin and Nick's like, no. Yeah, because she was like, oh, when we dated, you were a virgin. And he's like, I was 12. And then he goes to Josephine and she's like, I totally thought she was a virgin. I mean, like, who would do her? And then Deacon's like, I would do her. <laughs> the most awkward dinner yeah. party. Viago returns with dinner, which is canned spaghetti. Pischetti. And Deacon asks Nick if he likes paschetti. Nick says yes, and Deacon informs him that he is eating worms. Nick freaks out, but the spaghetti paschetti still looks normal to the viewer. Deacon explains they got that joke from the Lost Boys, but they put a twist on it. Deacon then hypnotizes Nick to believe that his penis has turned into a snake. Nick's freaked out, but the reactions here are definitely not the type of reactions that you would get if this was actually happening. Again, which plays into like, is it actually happening or not? I, I don't know. They turn the paschetti into paschetti. worms when he's just like, that's not funny. That's not cool. Is that cool? Am I, no, why'd you do that? And they're all just like, ha 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 ha. Your dick is a snake. And he's just like, oh, what the hell? But he's not reacting like with the full freak out. So the viewer doesn't see it. Apparently, Taika Waititi said that it's because the spell's not put on the camera, it's put on Nick. Yeah, it also saves them like so much money on special <laughs> effects. This freaks Nick out enough to get his things and leave. Nick is trying to escape the house, but watches helplessly as Jackie leaves in her car. He's running through the house aimlessly and just looks out the window to watch her leave. And she's like, sorry. <laughs> the next few scenes play out to me like a Scooby-Doo chase scene with Nick running from room to room only to find something horrible in each one. He opens the door on Viago eating Josephine and he has hit the main artery again. <laughs> he sees Vlad's face on a black cat. It's so amazing. And Deacon has turned into a bat and has sneaked into his backpack. Nick thinks that he has found a safe room for a second only to see Deacon's arm coming out of his backpack. <laughs> he runs into the hall only to be chased down by the three vampires floating in the air. <laughs> They're all just like bunched up together. Holding each other. <laughs> Nick is able to make it out and you think he's escaped when he is suddenly attacked by Peter. We get some great commentary from the other guy saying, Oh no, Peter got him. Poor guy. And then someone's like, who let Peter out? <laughs> we then see Jackie cleaning blood off the pavement the next day. We get a title card that tells us it's two months later. Deacon is doing a sexy dance for Apparently his friends. Apparently this is classic for the actor. Apparently he's known for this. Oh really? Yeah. At least that's the commentary. I don't know. I really don't know. <laughs> Well, he's doing this dance for his friends when they are interrupted by a bang on the window and we see that it's Nick. The rest of the gang yells at him to get inside as we get a talking head from Nick explaining that he's a vampire now and that probably the best part about it is that he can fly. He explains that Peter drained his blood and when he woke up in the basement, Peter just offered him his blood to drink and he accepted because he thought it was just some <laughs> German thing that these guys did. Interesting. He talks about transitioning and how it was horrible as we we see clips of him going to the hospital and looking pretty dead. Drained. Yeah, he's <laughs> got like gray skin. Yeah. <laughs> we see his reflection in the mirror start to fade and his eyes bleeding as he describes it as a hangover times 10 or the worst flu he's ever had. I think every hangover is a hangover times 10. Yes. Deacon is complaining that Nick can't fly around the house and draw attention to them, but Nick points out that they have a whole documentary crew with them. <laughs> it's true. Nick explains that he isn't sure if he's accepted yet, that it's hard 
hard having to let go of the relationships that he used to have, but now he has kind of this new family who accepts him for who he is, and he feels like he can teach them new things now that he's the youngest vampire. He's basically showing them like some modern technology. It must be awkward that your oldest, because technically they're a family, your oldest sibling is not just, you know, two years older, five years older, 183 years older. What's funny is the dynamic <laughs> that comes into play with Deacon and him because obviously Deacon was the bad boy, the young vampire, and now that's Nick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he does not take that well. Mm -mm. It's definitely aging Deacon. The group is out for a night on the town deciding where to go when Nick suggests a nightclub called Boogie Wonderland. <laughs> the group explains that they can't just go into whatever nightclub they want. They have to be invited in. And Nick points out that he knows the bouncers, so they should be good. Deacon doesn't trust this and suggests that they go to the same old spot. To that hot ass spot that they were at earlier, right? Yeah, but no one is listening to him. Nick tells them that his friend Stu loves the place, and suddenly another gentleman is with them. <laughs> Nick introduces Stu in the next scene and explains that he is his best friend. He puts Stu under a trance and tells the camera crew that the hardest part of maintaining their friendship is making sure that he doesn't eat Stu, which is hard because he's like the reddest guy he knows. And Stu's just standing there awkwardly, not saying much. Yeah, yeah. I'm, your, yeah I'm your friend. That's it. We're just friends. Nick is able to get the group into the club, but Deacon explains that he doesn't think Nick should have turned into a vampire because he's kind of a dick. Nick and a dick? Nick is a dick. Nick that dick. He even complains that Nick is copying his style, and we see that basically Nick is wearing a red version of the exact same jacket that Deacon has. It looks like the Black Parade. It does look like <laughs> I was thinking that the whole time. We when a I was a young <laughs> vampire. My father, Nick, Peter. took me into the city. <laughs> yeah. We get a couple of shots of the vampires being super awkward at the club, but just having a great time. There's like Viago just not even trying to talk to a girl. He's just trying to bite her neck. Vlad is trying to put some ladies under his spell, but overall they're just like look at this light up dance floor and having a great time <laughs> they're walking back home for the night when deacon says that he could smell a werewolf it smells like urine he does say that or it like smells like dog pee or something yeah i do love this idea that werewolves are dogs it is Literal kind of funny. It does expand on the whole werewolves and vampires are enemies for life trope. And while watching this, I kind of had like a theory. If you ask a person if they rather be a vampire or a werewolf, depending on their answer, you can tell if they're a cat person or a dog person. What if you're both though? I think you like lean more towards one because you have said that you would rather be a werewolf in the past and the dogs definitely follow you around more. And I'm like, I would be a vampire and our cat definitely follows me around more. Alara follows me around too though. She follows whoever feeds her. She has no loyalty. <laughs> I would like to be a werewolf more because it'd be freeing to just run around extra strong and naked. What's stopping you? <laughs> <laughs> being strong and free. I want to break free. And being and naked. naked. <laughs> being no a werewolf. vampire would just mean I'm sexy. <laughs> and I don't want to be sexy. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to go out during the daytime. That's kind of nice. But I got chores to do. Do you? You could do them at night. <laughs> you could do your dishes at night. I could also still eat human food. I could Can not you? go without ramen and sushi. Yeah. Can you eat human food as a werewolf? Yeah, because you only go into beast mode when you're in a beast. Once a month, yeah. yeah. Mm. Let us know in the comments if you're we a werewolf. Should, you know what? We're covering, we've said this for like 60 years, but we're covering American Werewolf in London. <laughs> Next. Yeah. They pass a group of guys and start taunting them, saying they might catch fleas. The group of werewolves turns around and asks them what they're saying. Vlad says that they don't want any trouble, and we get an exchange of some grade A insults. My favorite is Viago taking off his glove slowly and slapping one of the werewolves. Whoa, Whoa what the fuck? Dude, what are you doing? Shit, you went there? And then the pack leader is like, we're not swearwolves, we're werewolves. <laughs> one of the werewolves drops an F-bomb, and Vlad says it's very offensive to call people these things. Which so, is so progressive. For an early 2000s uh, comedy, yes. The werewolves begin to get into a fighting stance, but their leader pulls them away, and the group starts hissing and howling at each other as they back off. The other thing that I saw about this scene with the werewolves is that Reese Darby, who plays the main werewolf, his name is Anton, Anton, they gave the other werewolves directions to just keep asking questions. And they gave Anton conflicting instructions so that the entire team, they're just confused with each other. You could kind of read that. <laughs> that he's like saying a thing and then the crowd is not responding to what he's saying. Yeah. Obviously, because Stu is with them the entire night, he noticed all of this. 
So Nick is forced to have the talk with him, confessing that he is a vampire, but Stu appears not shocked at all. We then get interviews where all the flatmates say that they really love Stu and have an agreement to not eat him. Nick even has a talk with Peter about it. Stu shows all the vampires how to use <laughs> modern technology, how to text, how to use Google, take photos with digital cameras, and this is where you could probably see your outfits more because they apparently do show up on camera. I don't know the science behind it. I know that it's like mirrors in old cameras, right? There was like a use of mirrors yeah. for how to capture that. But digital, I don't know how it would work, but I love it. It's a fun montage. Yeah. My favorite is when Stu tells them that they can look up pictures of virgins on Google hmm. and they all get really excited. Then we just hear Vlad say, I don't think she's a virgin. <laughs> Stu even sets up a Skype call between Viago and his old familiar, the one who sent him to a, another country by mistake. They try to catch up, but Philip, the old familiar, immediately asks why he was never turned into a vampire and Viago just ends the call abruptly. Master, master, I've been looking for you. I've, I was, wait, what? What happened? No, you, I've been waiting all this time for you to convert me. And he's like, boop. Close his laptop. <laughs> well, we know where Catherine is. <laughs> <laughs> we get a scene of Viago visiting his old love interest in a retirement home and just watching her through the window. The fellows are out on the town again and Nick cannot shut up about being a vampire. He is telling everyone. Viago and Vlad tell him he needs to stop doing that and Nick agrees. We then cut to him leaving the club yelling, Vampire! And the crowd just cheering him on. We then get even more scenes of Nick telling more people that he's a vampire, including a guy that says he's a vampire hunter. I'm a vampire. Oh, that's crazy. I'm a vampire hunter, mate. And then he's like, ah, yeah, 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 just call me. <laughs> Deacon confronts Nick about this and it causes the two of them to get into a fight, even transforming into bats and fighting it out. Deacon gets the upper hand on Nick, slamming him into the wall while Dick, well, Dick. Snake Dick. Nick. Slamming him into the wall while Nick is still in bat form. Nick is upset that Deacon ruined his jacket, but Deacon just flies off pissed into the night. The rest of the group ends up at an all-night restaurant where they are all just kind of sitting there awkwardly as Stu eats some fries. <laughs> this is like the shawarma scene at the end of Avengers. I do love the use of the bats because in a very intense scene, the bat fighting almost seems goofy. It is goofy. It's like... They're just flapping around. Yeah. It's really intense. It's really serious. It's a really serious fight, but it's really goofy. <laughs> and it's cute, actually. Nick steals a fry off of Stu's plate and eats it, and Viago and Vlad just look at him concerned, saying that he should not have done that. <laughs> we cut to Nick viciously throwing up blood in the alley. Nick starts talking to the camera, saying he's actually quite fed up with being a vampire, and he can't even eat chips, and they're his favorite food. I feel that. No fish and chippies. We cut to Deacon, who has crash landed on Jackie's house. Side note, Jackie has a husband and kids, and I did not expect that, because she still wants to be a vampire and, like, abandon them. Unless she's got, like, a motive, right? She's like, if I'm a vampire, then I could turn my kid into a vampire, and then they live forever, right? Because you could be, like... I want my kid to live immortally. But we learn that Jackie's actually looking out for herself. You know, good for her. He tells Jackie that he was going to bite her tonight, but Nick actually jumped in front of her and took her place. Jackie is pissed and blames it on the fact that she doesn't have a penis. She says if she had one, she would have been bitten years ago. Instead, Deacon just drops by to give her more orders. We cut back to Viago, who is visiting his ex-love again. He explains that once he saw that she was married, he wanted to kill her husband, but that he didn't because he noticed how happy Catherine was with him. Viago then prints a photo of her out using the techniques that Stu has taught him and sticks it to the top of his coffin as he, you know, does his thing and we see the coffin go up and down a lot. And the thumping. Apparently that wasn't part of the script. He did that for the crew. Oh my god, were they <laughs> awkward or like, or were they cracked As up? a joke, like, yeah. he closes the thing and it's No, like, I think it's do, hilarious. Do, 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 do. Yeah. <laughs> but they left it in. I'm telling you, this set seems like it was a grand old time. I I wish I was there for it. Yeah, I would like to be a fly on the wall while this was being made. <laughs> yeah. The next night, the flatmates are awakened by some horrible shrieking and rush to the basement to find Peter engulfed in flames. Vlad tries to put him out with water and Deacon tries to rush down to save him, but is held back by Viago, reminding him that it's sunlight and he can't run down there. The three can't save him and are shocked. Vlad charges the cameras, telling them to shut it off out of respect. The rest of the flatmates are trying to piece together what happened and discover that a vampire hunter has entered the basement during the day, letting in sunlight. Peter was able to kill the vampire hunter by throwing his stone tomb at him, but ended up bursting into flames. 
Can you imagine living 8,000 years and this is how you go? Some little bitch kills you while you're sleeping. Yeah. All because of Nick. This is truly Nick's fault. Snake dick Nick. When they see the face of the vampire hunter, Nick realizes it's the man that he met at the bar the other night. And he says he thought he was just joking when he said he was a vampire hunter. And he gave him his email address. It's actually funny because he tells him like, yeah, Skype me. Which is such a... <laughs> of the era. The rest of the flatmates are furious. And Deacon is the most furious. Chasing him down and trying to kill him as Vlad and Viago hold him back. Suddenly, there's a knock on the door. And it's the police. Apparently, a neighbor has complained about all the screaming. In the commentary apparently this scene was super hilarious to the crew not even the actors but the crew just had like a grand old time with this scene because the people who they hired to be the police officers were just like average people um really they yeah. seem like comedians to me because their timing was pretty good no so it says here o'leary isn't even an actor she's a kindergarten teacher but they both do great comedic work oh my god i would switch professions <laughs> and uh they had to add in a little bit of voiceover because when they showed this scene to some audiences especially with some of the takes some people were just like not even sure what was going on i was like stupid crowds but it's so yeah. good there's nothing unfunny about this you know, it's, it's like hey hey look at this over here what is that oh you should probably be more careful about that you should get some fire extinguishers in this area because it's actually kind of close and then, oh wait, wait hold on have you noticed this smoke detector five feet away from the wall should be two feet, two feet from every door. You really got to be careful about this. But they're so good. They're so good I mean, they're at pretty each good. joke. Yeah. I think it is one of the funniest bets in the entire movie. <laughs> they end up saying that like Peter's sleeping, right? Yeah. <laughs> or the hunter. Yeah, I don't even go into too much detail because I can't do it justice and you should just go watch the scene. Viago hypnotizes the police but is worried because he's not the best at it. It's just a funny bit of the police going around and noticing a bunch of safety hazards but not all the dead bodies. And I think Viago like goes to the camera and says if we kill them then more police are gonna come and then christians are gonna show up here and that's the last thing we want afterwards the flatmates put nick on trial for leading a vampire hunter back to their home he is kicked out of the flat and forced to endure the procession of shame which is just the guy circling him and saying shame like in game of thrones i really don't know what came first i was gonna ask you that it literally it's is the scene the in Game of Thrones. <laughs> was it season seven? It aired in 2015, so they mm. did it first. Interesting. Unless they read the books or something, I don't know. We get a clip of Jackie cleaning up a very bloody bathroom and then a title card saying several months later. I feel like Jackie's character is funny, but sometimes I feel like she's shoved in in random parts of the movie. Still makes me wonder why the others don't have a familiar. Because in what we do in the shadows of the series, they just explain it off as they just always die. Always die, yeah. Could be. <laughs> I could see Viago's and Vlad's familiars always dying. Yeah, in all the orgies. Yeah. Months later, the guys receive their invitation to the event of the year, the Unholy Masquerade. Vlad explains that the ball is an event for all creatures of the night, zombies, witches, and even banshees. He says that he might even be the guest of honor this year. Unfortunately for him, the guest of honor ends up being the beast, his enemy, and he does not take this news well at all. <laughs> he actually ends up pretty depressed. It's funny because as he's reading the card this like vein starts to throb in his head he's like cool it's cool it's fine it's fine it's the night of the ball and vlad looks terrible like he hasn't been eating anyone he says he's not going to the ball despite the guy's best efforts to get him to go in this scene where they're getting ready it's funny because viago decides to go as blade Oh, yeah, and Deacon's like, but he's a vampire hunter. Isn't this a terrible costume to wear? But he's still a vampire. I get you, Viago. I feel it. I see the irony in your costume. Oh, wait, never mind. I was going to say, because this is Halloween. He's supposed to be scary to a vampire. What's scarier to a vampire than a vampire hunter? But this is a ball. It's not a costume party. We cut to the ball where the guys are mingling and run into Jackie, who has been turned into a vampire, finally, by Nick. Deacon is pretty annoyed by this and is confronting Nick about it. Nick doesn't see the big deal in this and Viago is kind of on Nick's side and Deacon's like well it was pretty rude she was my familiar <laughs> we continue to see this in the series where the vampires just don't want to convert the familiars and I don't get it I do you have someone serving you you don't want to continually hire someone year after year and they suck at it if you get a good one but we know with these other characters that having a dead familiar or no familiar at all is just fine no because then they rely on the one vampire that does have a familiar hmm. like in the sitcom they all boss 
Guillermo around. Later, there's this argument of like, well, when do you decide to change and when do you not? Yeah, I feel like the series really took this part of the movie and ran with it. It's an important piece for Nick to just be like, yeah, fuck it, I'll turn you into one. Yeah, because I'm not a dick. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's kind of a dick. He's got a snake dick. It's important that you remember that. It's still a snake dick, actually. He never took it never changed off. back. I think Viago then turns to Nick and is like, oh, how is Stu doing? And Nick's like, oh, he's like right over there. So Nick has brought a human to the unholy masquerade. The group's conversation is interrupted by the announcement of the guest of honor, who is the Beast. We finally get to see the Beast and realize that she is just another vampire. This is a Ron Swanson, Tammy. Absolutely. <laughs> we cut to Vlad explaining that the Beast is the nickname he gave his ex-girlfriend, Pauline. She gives her thank you speech and begins to mingle with everyone in the party until she is introduced to Stu. It is clear at this point that everyone in the party is starting to realize that Stu is human. There's actually a very funny scene. It kind of reminds me of the scene in Van Helsing where she's dancing with Dracula mm -hmm. in the mirror and she can only see herself. The camera crew pans to the mirror and it's only Stu and like <laughs> a zombie whose reflection you can see in the mirror. <laughs> it's perfect. Apparently this scene, I think, was one of the harder ones to edit because they had to get rid of a bunch of reflections it took like 80 hours or something like that which I doesn't imagine. sound like a lot but it is to edit the reflections it's two out. weeks of work yeah. for one job the guys all decide it's time to save Stu and get him out of there but it's too late pauline is one step ahead of them and keeps them from leaving letting the crowd know that viago deacon and nick are guilty of bringing in a human and not letting the party eat him they even believe that Stu is a virgin because he works in tech and are about to attack him when vlad shows up looking much better like he he ate someone and decked out all in white it's quite the dramatic entrance he explains that no one is going to be eating the human tonight and him and pauline exchange a few insults Pauline's lover, who I looked it up and it said his name was Julian. I hope that's right. Julian then quickly joins in on the fight and Vlad and him start to physically fight each other. It appears that Julian has the upper hand and is about to kill Vlad when Stu comes in with the assist, impaling Julian. He might be related to Van Helsing as well. He might. While the party is in shock, the guys take this as their opportunity to leave. The guys are celebrating Stu's kill out in the woods when they run into the group of werewolves again. Anton, their leader, is trying Trying to get everyone to chain themselves to a tree because it's transformation night and they have no time to mess with the vampires. He warns them to get all the humans out of there as they all start to transform. They start to run off but the werewolves catch up to them fighting some of the vampires and even killing one of the cameramen. Unfortunately, Stu doesn't get away in time and ends up being attacked by the werewolves. This implies too that they preemptively are like, let's tie ourselves down because we don't want to like spend our transformation day going and attack random people i think that's a common lore in werewolf movies where they try to prevent themselves from hurting other people it feels kind of odd right they outside of transformation time still act like werewolves the joke is that they pee everywhere they're dogs basically yeah. they stink but you're like i'll protect the world while i'm in full transformation mode yeah it's better for the world if we're not out there but we're still gonna stink up the place and pee everywhere while in human form unfortunately Stu doesn't get away in time and ends up attacked by the werewolves this scene is pretty scary too the found footage style of murder you have the night vision people mm -hmm. are getting dragged out it almost feels like you are the person who's getting eaten, right? Yeah. Nick doesn't take the sight of his friend being disemboweled well. Deacon tries to give Nick a pep talk saying that as a vampire, you will always outlive your loved ones. And it's not really that inspirational. I think Nick even turns to the camera like, what the fuck? <laughs> when the police arrive on the scene, they believe that the attack was caused by wild dogs. And they even take it astray thinking it's responsible by saying it's going to have to be put down. Oh. The dog looks so confused the best line is when the officer shows the dog the dead bodies and is like look at what you did <laughs> yeah, poor baby apparently these paramedics were brought in at random they agreed to do it because they're like yeah we're just hanging out but if someone actually calls and we have to go we have to go we then get a couple shots of each of the vampires grieving over stew we see that um vlad has returned to torturing people which he says he only does when he's in a really bad place i didn't mention this scene earlier but deacon uh knits a lot and he can be seen doing that throughout
throughout the film and he apparently had knit Stu a scarf earlier and the group kind of sends the scarf off as like a viking funeral into the water oh oh uh that reminds me of something so when peter dies apparently they had shot a thing where they put peter's body into the water as like a send-off but the body got away from them in the water before they could film oh, the scene no. and so they had to make a statement like if you find a charred body like don't worry about it <laughs> oh my god that's awful could you imagine like if someone was actively killing people during that time mm. and use that as their cover Ooh. Ooh. it's the perfect crime unfortunately i was thinking about the sweater that spongebob scene where he's just like look i've knitted you a sweater with my tears yeah <laughs> that's basically what this scene is yeah i like how you always bring it back to spongebob in every to. horror movie i think we said in episode one or two that it's always going to come back to spongebob we then get a voiceover of iago explaining that people think that vampires vampires are just cold unfeeling things but he says i don't know i believe i feel things he then helps deacon go to bed deacon has fallen asleep in a room with an open curtain and the sun is about to rise so it implies that he's like so stricken with grief he can't even take care of himself we get a shot of all the flatmates where peter and Stu were still alive and then the screen fades to black so sad it's actually genuinely sad. It is at this point <laughs> in a movie that's been so funny. We then hear a voice message from Nick who says he's discovered something crazy and that he thinks they're all going to be pretty surprised. Nick arrives at the house with Stu. He's alive. <laughs> we then see a reenactment of what happened to Stu. It's literally in black and white and says <laughs> reenactment just, just so you guys know. What's funny is that it's a actor reenacting a reenactment. It is. And it's even funnier <laughs> when I tell you what's in it. Stu explains that he woke up in an ambulance and fled to the woods where the other werewolves found him and gave him a pair of pants and they've been supporting him ever since. The werewolf actors are naked in this reenactment, meaning they chose to be naked. <laughs> There's like one guy wearing booty shorts. Is that a Twilight thing too? Well, yeah, your clothes rips off, but I imagine. The booty shorts, yeah, because the joke is that they're always wearing jeans for some reason. <laughs> yeah. The jeans stay on. The jeans stay on. They're never nudes. Anton, the alpha male, explains that he was hesitant to walk into a vampire den when Stu first suggested the idea, but thought, why not give it a try? The vampires are complaining about the werewolf smell and opening windows, but overall are trying to be welcoming. A little old woman asks Stu what happened to his face because because it's pretty scarred from the mauling, and we discover that it's Catherine. Viago explains that he turned Catherine into a vampire, and they decided to give their relationship a chance, saying that he knows people freak out about the age difference when they see a 90-year-old woman with someone four times her age, but that it doesn't bother them. They're really cute. And let me tell you something it's about kind of this adorable. little old lady. They went to a real senior home to scope out the area they were shooting. And they said, I have the perfect little old lady from the senior home who would be perfect for the role of Catherine. That is so fun. Oh, and they put little vampire fangs on her dentures. I did notice <laughs> that they like paint her nails black and dress her in darker clothes after this. That's really cute. It is a cute scene. Fangs on dentures is hilarious. That me? is wild. <laughs> yeah, because like if you're turned as a 90-year-old lady, do your teeth not? Not grow back and you just grow fangs i don't know i thought the lore was that like you're a vampire so now you're healed of everything yeah huh but you're still older i don't know yeah because you could be old and then like be nimble as fuck you know that would be an interesting sight to see i'm trying to think of like any old vampires that are yeah no you see vampire lore where they're like you can't turn babies because babies are chaotic but you never hear like about old <laughs> old people vampires because mostly people are like why would i want to be a vampire at 90 years old that kind of sucks but if it cures all your ailments yeah imagine it's like superpowers like if you were bitten by a spider and you're an old man you suddenly got rock hard abs I think this is not the glasses. first time you've referenced that superpower when we're talking about Spider vampires <laughs> or... It's a transformation scene. Yeah. It's the closest thing I can think of. I'm thinking about Tobey Maguire waking up after having, you know, meat sweats and having rock hard abs and not having to wear glasses anymore. That's what I imagine being a vampire is like. Being Spider-Man. <laughs> yes. Batman. No, he has no powers. Biago gives one last look into the camera and that's it. Roll credits. With some after credit scenes that are pretty funny. We learn that Pauline and Vlad have decided to rekindle their relationship, but Vlad states it's not long after you get back together that you remember why you broke up in the first place. We see that Jackie has now made her husband her familiar, and that it has shifted the power dynamic a bit, but she's happy overall. She's like giving him chores in the kitchen. She's like, I love you, but I am your master now. <laughs> 
the last end credit scene we get is the werewolves joking around with the alpha, which is just like a bit that you have to watch. I can't really talk you through. But yeah, that's pretty much it. That's what we do in the shadows. Do you want to give your final thoughts? What we do in the shadows is a heartfelt, wrenching story about how amazing Stu is and a journey in which he brings them to modernize their thoughts and make it so that they're not so problematic. Um, it's a story of love. It's a story of acceptance. And I really enjoyed this movie. What yeah, I you? can totally see how Stu and Nick's relationship is the one that brings the vampires and the werewolves together. It's kind of cute. So I, I truly, truly love this movie. I love that it inspired what we do in the shadows, the series, which I know we referenced a lot, but it's a little hard to separate the two because I do think that the show did really pull a lot from the source material, which is this movie. So if you enjoy this style of comedy, kind of like awkward mockumentary, this film is probably for you. If you're like, I don't want to put in a film that's going to make me think a lot. I just want a feel good. It's definitely a movie I recommend just watching. There's just so many things I love about it. I love that it is making fun of vampires, but it's also kind of like a love letter to vampires and even to werewolves and all those like creepy things that you're into as a kid and can still show to your kids. There was no way that like you saw this the first time in 2014 and you were not like, this should be a show. I like the style too. Yeah, I definitely want my house to look as creepy as their house. I think I would only take off one point for the Nazi joke and I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10. I give it a 10. It is a grand old time. I think it's fucking funny. Horror scale, totally like a 2. I mean, Peter's probably like the scariest thing in the werewolf murder scene, but it really makes you feel good about vampires and werewolves but mostly vampires. Rather than talking about what scared Loki or Ripley, because this is a vampire film and dogs are not really vampire-ish, let's see what Elvira thought about the movie. Elvira's opinion is all that matters here. I would be so afraid if we ended up finding out she has a human face. Black. Oh my god, yeah, that, that was so weird to look at. Does that pretty much wrap it up for us here today? I think it does. As always, we hope you guys had a good time here with us. You could follow us pretty much anywhere at shaken.scaredpod, except Twitter, Twitter shaken.scaredpod. You could send us an email at shaken.scaredpod at gmail.com. Listen wherever you get your podcasts, give us a follow, check out our drink videos, join the Discord. If you're watching this on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe, comment, and let us know what you thought about what we do in the shadows. And Keith thinks bye. Bye.